Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. Today, we have a very special episode where I take your top questions and give you a behind the scenes look at my journey building my empire. I have my incredible husband, Drew, who is the host today. And babe, I'll let you jump right in. Thanks, sweetie. (laughs) Ready to go? I think so. Okay, so I have a question for you that, especially at this time of year, I think is very important. It's not a question from your audience, and you've heard a version of these before. You know my theory. My theory is that, especially when you're starting your first business, people tend to be very hard on themselves, and they don't take enough time to think about everything that they've achieved along the way. Does that sound familiar at all? Uh, I think so. (laughs) Very familiar. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to ask you a few questions here just to sort of step into a little bit of gratitude because again, I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit, whether you are working in corporate, whether you're starting your first business, people are just way too hard on themselves. So the first question that I have for you is no matter how big or small, what's something recently Mm -hmm. that you did that was tough, but you still gave it your best shot no matter how big or small something tough you you did recently but you still made it through the process you got something for us oh there's so many things big or small no matter how big or small just something recently tough what's something tough you did recently but you put your best foot forward and you made it through the process okay and we need to pat yourself on the back a little bit for it give us something i appreciate you reminding me of that so what comes to mind instantly i i think the past three, four months have been tough, but like the most opportunity for me to grow just as like a business owner, as a person. And we recently launched our second product, which was a magnesium product. Kay and I have been wanting to launch this really from the early, early days of BS. So it was a big moment for us. And Honestly, it did way better than we were expecting. We sold out. Not only did we sell out, but we also had behind the scenes inventory issues. And it was really the first time I've ever gone through anything like that. So whether it's, you know, on the operations side, dealing with all the inventory stuff, having a huge uptick in customer inquiries, you know, all hands on deck there, you know, us having to change the website last minute to pre-order. It sounds super simple, but that those four or five days, I was just in like the twilight zone, making sure things were moving. And again, I've never done a lot of this before. Yeah, we've put put up a website, but like a new product, new people, getting things done. It was just a very interesting experience. And we made it to the other side in the most amazing way. So I have the confidence confidence now that I can, you know, go through hard stuff. But I've heard this story a lot from people on my podcast, like they had inventory issues, they sold out how they dealt with customers. And it was interesting to be living in that because I've heard so many other people's stories that way. So, you know, a beautiful, beautiful, amazing opportunity that we got to be in that position. But it was tough when I was personally like in it, navigating all of it. Yeah. And we're still navigating it. I think it was really tough. To <laughs> you, I mean, a few <laughs> times you said the word interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay to say it was really tough. Sure. And that you might have even cried a few times. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is okay. That's like totally okay. You were going through a stressful time and moment. But at least in this moment here, we want to get a chance to acknowledge you and pat you on the back. Right. Thanks, babe. No, I appreciate that. So I actually want to talk about crying a little bit because it's something I've been thinking a lot about in terms of like a release. And I 
never used to cry like truly and honestly it makes me think because I was on birth control for most of my life and I wonder how much of my hormones were truly shut off I mean that's genuinely what happens and I felt like I didn't I wasn't able to tap into my emotions as much as I can now so that's just like an interesting thing but starting this business has been tough you know it's tough the day-to-day like when I zoom out it's the most beautiful thing and it's what I'm here to do in my purpose but there's so much that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis that pushes me outside my comfort zone, which is just how it is. And sometimes there's a lot of pressure. And I mean, Drew, you you see the day to day like ins and outs. So I'm sure there's a lot you can also share it because I'm happy to be transparent. But what I have found is when I can cry, like if I have feelings of overwhelm, I cry and then I feel good. It's like my resiliency factor. Like I'm able to like get back into it. And so many people are like, oh my gosh, you cried. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's like not a big deal. I feel a certain way. I ride the emotion and then I get back to it. And you know, I just think it's interesting because I never used to have that mechanism in the past. And, you know, I've just been crying a lot, but not in like a bad way. Just that's how I kind of deal with hard things. And I just am able to like get back into it and, and go the next day. So yeah, I think you saw something recently from Nicole Para. Yes. She's like crying is like an emotional release. It's a part of being part of our self soothing process. And yes. a lot of times people grow up even, you know, young boys go through this process. You know, people say, don't cry, don't cry. And I think especially for women, you know, their hormones are going to be different. Yeah. There is a difference oh, between yeah. men and women that are there. For sure. And there's going to be an aspect where it's like crying is going to be part of your self-soothing process. Yeah, I love that post. And she was saying like, we're so conditioned in our life to like when you see someone cry to say you're sorry, but sometimes it's not even like a bad thing. And, you know, I appreciate you just allowing me to be who I am. I'll just kind of cry mid conversation and it's no big deal. And then we just kind of continue it. And I I honestly think crying is for me one of the best releases and just really makes me feel like I'm not holding that tension and stress in my body. Obviously, in addition to moving your body, exercising, being healthy, but I just wanted to call that out. Yeah. And I'll tell you from my end as your husband, And I try to be your first support system. When I do see you crying, even though I agree, it's not a big deal. Like we should encourage, you know, especially for women, like, you know, I'm not saying not for men, but for women who are naturally probably going to be crying a little bit more in these situations, not only should we allow it, normalize it, encourage it, but it's also as your support system, it's my sign that, okay, hey, I think you also need a little bit of a break in that moment. Let's go even for a quick 15 minute walk. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about it too much. You, I don't, I, I'm there to hold you. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, I'm there to talk <laughs> about it. But I think one of the mistakes I've made in the past, you know, being there for, you know, the the feminine in my life could be sisters, you yeah. know, whatever it might be, is not everything needs to be talked about in the moment. Sure. Simply just going for a walk, getting perspective. If that's something that you feel like it could be sitting outside in the sun for a few minutes, just yeah. something that gets us back into the body 100%. to reconnect with the body. I've found that to be helpful. Do you find yeah. it to be helpful? Oh, no question about it. It's also my sign of like, I need to pause and take a break. Yeah. And you know, I never believed this. I was like, oh, it's such bullshit that people talk about women's hormones and how they're more emotional, but straight up second half of my cycle, my, the way I feel things is very different. I can maybe get a little bit more overwhelmed and it all makes sense now that I'm in this world and kind of understanding how women's bodies work. So I just want to honor that now. Like when I'm in that phase of my cycle, that if there's, if I'm going through a lot, I could 
just feel a little bit different about certain situations and it's okay. So the question I asked you was what's something <laughs> tough, no matter how big or small that you went through recently and you made it to the other side and we're going to pat you on the back for it. And I want everybody at home who's listening to, to be thinking what's something tough, no matter how big or small you went through recently, maybe it was a tough workout class, but mm -hmm. you did it and you showed up and you gave your best. And we want to take these moments to acknowledge these things because we're so hard on ourselves, and the brain has a negativity bias. We mm -hmm. tend to remember the things that don't work out and we forget about all the things that did work out. So you launched your second product. Yeah. It was a major undertaking for you guys. Yeah. You've been wanting to do it for a while. A shit ton of things did not go well <laughs> and you still made it. We made it. <laughs> and you are still learning from that process that's there. Yeah. Okay. Number two question that I have. You know these. Okay. No matter how big or small, what's something that somebody did for you recently? No matter how big or small, what's something that somebody else did for you? Especially in the context of business, right? Did somebody help you recently? Did they give you advice? Did they do something that made your life easier? They gave you a better perspective. Mm -hmm. They gave you some sort of idea, insight that changed the way that you approach the business, no matter how big or small. Anything come to mind? Yeah, I mean, so many people. So I'm just, I have gratitude for just the incredible women in my life that are just there for me and are in the thick of building their own businesses. So I don't feel as alone. But this is just from a recency perspective. I had the founder of Beekeepers Natural on Carly, and she was just so wonderful and sweet. I admire everything she's built. She's incredible. And I think on the podcast, we were talking about this. We were talking a little bit offline about just like hiring. I think, you know, the, we can maybe talk about this a little bit later in this interview, but I think one of the main things I'm trying to focus on is like, how do I get help? Because as a business grows, there's obviously just normally more things. And as a CEO, like it's on me and the small team that we have. So I'm always thinking about just team. And I don't know if this is interesting to people, but I'll share, you know, customer experience, especially as a wellness brand, like I care and we care. Honestly, the whole team thinks this way. Every customer, every question that comes to us, like we give it so much love and care because that's just how we operate. And, you know, women are dealing with so many difficult things and we want to be there for them. It's getting like a lot in terms of just quantity and frequency of it. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in my evenings and when I can like doing this and hiring somebody for this role, it takes a lot of trust. Like they're interacting with your customers. It sounds so simple, but I don't know how to explain it emotionally. But I was talking to Carly about this and she's like, I totally understand. I was in that role probably longer than I probably should have been. So that was a good reminder for and that me. that customer support role. The customer support role. Yes. So that was a good kind of flag. Like, okay, she was in there long longer than she wanted. I'm probably doing it longer than I should. And I still think you should still be part of it, you know, involved. But she just gave me the confidence that like, there are people out there that you can trust that love your customer might even do it better than you. And it's just it gave me good perspective. And the next day I put a call out on my Instagram. I'm sure some people saw it where I was like, hey, I'm looking for someone. And we found incredible people and all that happened in the course of 48 hours. So I heard something that she did again, even these podcasts, like for me, I kind of operate on what do other people do and what has worked for them and what have they learned from their own experience. And I kind of take that in my own life, which is why I love doing these interviews and hopefully it's helping people as well. So that was just one thing and just having somebody there who understood. I think so much of going through this process, what I've realized recently is like, sometimes you just want to vent and sometimes it doesn't make sense to friends who aren't in this world or family members and you kind of feel crazy. But if you can kind of create that support group of other founders and just kind of like talk to each other, talk about your problems, it just feels so nice. So that was something that happened maybe like a week ago that I think 
changed the perspective for me. Yeah, it was already on your mind and she gave you the nudge. Yeah, That total I've nudge. been there before. There's nothing wrong with this idea of not feeling like you're ready to let go of your baby of customer support because you take it so seriously. And, you know, there's going to be somebody else that's going to do it better than you. Yeah. And the other part that's there, which other individuals have shared with you, in addition to probably Carly too, is you have to double down on the things that you're best at. Yeah. And if you're spending so much time in the weeds, in the beginning it was necessary. But if you're spending so much time on the weeds of customer support, re refunds, tracking, just the regular stuff that would come up, even though you do have some of the help that's yeah. there, you're not doing the things that you're best at that significantly move the needle forward in the company. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's something amazing. Somebody helped you. All right, the next question I have, and you're familiar with this one, and there's a reason that I'm asking these three questions, right? And I'll explain that at the end of this. But no matter how big or small, who's someone that you've supported recently and made a difference. Again, it could be the tiniest little thing, but you made a difference in their journey or you brightened their day. What comes to mind, and I am I will be the first one to say this question is always tough for me to give myself credit. So I always appreciate you putting me through the exercise. So I try my best to give back on other women who are like earlier stages of their business and just help in any way I can, like one off. So there was a listener of the podcast recently who had reached out started her own business and just kind of wanted 30 minutes to chat about what she's going through. She's in the early stages. Like, does she have product market fit? Is she doing the right things? And I think for her, hopefully, it just felt really good to like vent to someone who's been there. And I kind of reassured her these feelings of what she's going through because I feel like it's super tough in the early days and you're extra vulnerable when you're figuring out what you want to do and you're putting it out there and you don't know like do people like it should I be doing this like there's a lot more questions around that I think in the earlier stage so hopefully I reassured her listened to her and you know I'm try to do my best to just pay it forward to other women who are going through it because I've been there and it's such a vulnerable time I think when you want to like put an idea out so that's one example of something that I had I think it was last week beautiful so going right back to the beginning, these three questions, super important. I would encourage everybody to ask themselves these questions every so often because we are all so hard on ourselves. We tend to remember what went wrong. We don't celebrate ourselves enough. And I think that this is especially the case for founders and especially the case for first-time founders. We're so task-oriented. <laughs> I'm not a first-time founder now, but I've been one previously. We're so task-oriented. We're so in the weeds, we forget to stop and smell the roses. And yeah, when you practice true. a little bit of this gratitude, not just for others, but for yourself, like somebody who helped you recently, you're more likely to express that gratitude. You might send Carly a text and just say, hey, thanks so much. I wanna let you know that that comment meant a lot for me. Yeah. You know, and you also pat yourself on the back for going through something tough and also helping other people along the way. Mm -hmm. This is a powerful practice of reconnecting into the power and strength that you have and the agency to significantly move the needle forward. All right, so with that out of the way, let's jump Ooh. into the questions. <laughs> I wanna pick up from that call that you had because we have a few questions here about product market fit. So talk to us a little bit about what you told that founder and a few people are asking about how did you find that product validation? How did you mm -hmm. get to product market fit? Well, I can definitely talk about our journey with Bia and how I thought about it. So one of the things that I think made me feel super comfortable, and we actually did the same thing with our magnesium was a beta test. So instead of like putting it out there, I was like, I personally needed the confidence to 
give it to a select group of women, follow them along the process, get their feedback and see, is this even viable? Is it even worth us taking the next step of putting the product out there? So I think the first step for me, which always gets me comfortable, is doing a beta. And when we launched, this is kind of KNI's perspective, we didn't do a huge marketing splash. It was kind of like, we put the website up, we've been doing content, let's see how that goes. So because I knew we'd still learn and we were going to be pivoting along the way. Like, what do customers feel about the product? What are some of their pain points? How can we make the education easier? How can we make the onboarding easier? So I think beta was big for us and also launching without doing a massive splash because we weren't ready at that point. So we were still kind of, I would maybe even say it was like beta part two, but you're putting it out in the real world. Like people are putting their money behind a product, which I think is actually really big um, outside of just a beta because you give that to people for free to get feedback. But what does it look like when someone is giving you their hard-earned money and trying your product and learning and getting feedback from, from them? And going back to the original comment about customer experience, like I'm so emotionally tied to that because from the early days, I've been so connected to the customer and what has been working, what hasn't been working. Um, so I just have an emotional connection there. And that has really helped us along the way with Bia. And then the last part, you know, now that we've been in business for two and a half years, again, I've heard this a lot from women on my podcast, but the word of mouth perspective, when people are emailing you or sharing, like my daughter told me about this, my best friend told me about this, hey, I can't wait to share with 10 friends, like that shit's real. And it's really cool to now be in a position to see that word of mouth piece. And I take it it, it just means the world that people are trusting us with people in their network. So I think that would probably be the third piece of when you're, when you kind of know that you're onto something. This is sort of a follow-up question to this a separate question. This individual is asking, was there anything that you tracked? Were there any sort of actual objective measures like, you know, sure. in your beta, you were asking people about taste, right? Yeah. You were asking people about, use? Was there things that are clear, not clear? Anything like that that you guys were tracking? Yeah. I mean, I guess tracking can mean so many different things from a product perspective. Even though I went through our product, right? And it changed my life in terms of PMS, felt great. I wanted to make sure we were tracking, you know, 15 to 20 metrics of what women think across the board when it comes to supporting their hormones. Did they see changes in their cramps, bloating, fatigue, um, mood? So that I don't know if that's helpful for this question, but just kind of going through like the product and tracking to make sure that worked there. Um, another sense is, you know, this is pretty generic. Like, are we growing month over month in sales with new customers? And for us, retention is huge because the hardest but the hardest but most impactful aspect of our product is consistency, like anything health related, right? Whether it's working out, whether it's sleeping well, like you need to do it on a consistent basis to see a difference. So for us, it was retention and how many people are going through our life cycle, actually seed cycling, you know, as often as they can every day, ideally. So for me, I'm always looking at that marker of how many people are staying with us. And if they're dropping off, why? We give them a survey of why they're dropping off. And that's really on us to then think about how do we better improve people building a habit, for example. Um, you know, that's something that's on my mind all the time and we're always improving that. So those are kind of some of the metrics that 
come to mind. I don't know if that's helpful. Super helpful. Let's talk about retention for a second. Just explain for retention. Yeah. Some people don't know what it is. They haven't mm -hmm. launched their business yet. They've heard about it. Maybe they don't know exactly what it is. What is an example of some of the feedback that you got that you fixed that you think has helped with retention? I mean, this is super like technical. So, so much of it is the ease of use of technology. So going back can to you, retention, what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. So retention is just essentially our customers staying with you and coming back. And how long is that? Like you can, you can get somebody to buy once, yeah, but, but then are, are they staying with you? Yeah. And how long are they staying with you? Yeah. Or if you don't have a subscription product, are they coming back? And how many times are they coming back? So for us in the earlier days, you know, we we're just, like I said, we launched it. We figured things out on the go as we put it out there for real, for real outside of the beta when our website was live. This is super basic, but we needed to make it easy for customers to make adjustments to their subscription, right? Everybody starts the product at a different time and it renews every month or every three months, depending on what you get. So how do we make it super easy for people to quickly skip a subscription, to quickly say, you know, I have too much. How do we, can I push it out for two months? Cause I'm traveling or, you know, whatever, a life situation happened, I need to push it out. So we spent some time creating emails and working on the back end to make it easy for people to kind of change their subscription. So that's more of like a technical piece. Um, but another thing that Kay and I did, so much of it is education and it takes time to see results, right? Food is medicine. You don't, it's not like you take an Advil and you're like, oh, my cramps are gone the next day. It doesn't work like that with a more natural approach. It takes one month, you know, some people up to three months, even later, potentially depending on what you're going through. So can I set up a series of emails to talk about the benefits of taking, you know, seed cycling every day outside of just hormones? There's so many nutrients in there that women are lacking that if you have the awareness, you're more motivated to take it. At least that's how I felt for me. Like, I need to know, how is this changing my life? How does this benefit me? Because I'm busy. I'm not going to take this shit every day if I don't know why it's moving the needle. So for us, content and education was really, really big. And that's something we think about all the time. And we're always perfecting. And we're doing another round of that soon, too. Amazing. Awesome. All right. We're going to switch from these topics of product validation, retention, and we're going to go into bootstrapping. So you guys didn't raise money, but you did invest your own money. Mm -hmm. You and Kea, your business partner, my sister. Yeah. How did you think about the first few months and year of finances, especially when you had not fully launched the company yet? So just talk about a big picture, right? So you guys put in some money, mm -hmm. that money was sitting in the bank account. You know, did you put a budget together? How did you think about expenses? Like, just share the reality. Yeah. Right? Like, what's the reality of it, right? You, so you set aside, somebody has an idea, they set aside some money and they think, okay, I'm going to go and create something out of this. They know they have to pay for expenses, website, this, that. Like, how did you put your budget or approach that process? Oh my gosh, I'm so conservative on this stuff. So I don't know if this is good advice for people. Everything that's real yeah. is great advice yeah. because you're just sharing your perspective. Totally. And it's, I have to like go back to that time. Amazing. It feels like year, like decades ago, even though it's only two and a half years ago. Props to people on my podcast who've been running a business for like 10 years. And I ask about the early days because it feels so long ago. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it was pretty straightforward. So can I put up our money? And we were, it. you know, I feel very fortunate in terms of we weren't creating a tech for example, like a tech product. I didn't need to hire 
developers and it's not like I needed a couple hundred thousand dollars to get this off the ground. We literally spent, I think, how much was that first website? I always said I want to talk about on a podcast one day. I think the first website we spent, we paid the first person $700 and it was like a complete shit show. And then I spent another $1,000. And our first website, which actually we had for the first two years, I spent $1,700 on. I don't hear that too often. And it was functioning and doing well. So I think I just thought about how can I spend, what was my budget? Maybe, I think I probably put aside 20 grand to launch the business, maybe a little less, like in the early, early days, just thinking about like buying the packaging, buying the pamphlets, um, ingredients, you know, production, website, and then you have all this software you have to pay for like emails. Um, so I would say less than, maybe even less than 12,000 in the early days. So I had a huge buffer still. Like Kay and I had put up our money and 10 grand for us was, you know, not a huge piece of it because I was super conservative launching. So for me, like I wasn't thinking, of course, breaking even. But for me, I was like, I need to make money from day one. So what does that even look like? You know, we were not breaking even in the early days. We were profitable from the early days. I wasn't paying myself. So like from a grand scheme of things, but from a selling the bit, like selling the product, we were still making money. And I actually got to a point during COVID where our ingredients, like many other businesses have increased and we increased the pricing because like we need to function as a business, right? We need to have team. Like what I realized is that the impact we want to make is so massive and that requires time and effort and people and you have to pay for that and so for me profitability has been key and I look at it like a hawk like literally last night I was thinking I was like I should put a story about this Saturday night I'm going through my fulfillment receipts and literally line by line just kind of looking like and fulfillment for people who don't know we have a fulfillment center that ships out all of our product I don't know if a lot of other business owners are going line by line because it's kind of very tedious, but I am just so like, I try my best to be, of course, there's probably a lot of things I miss, but like, I really look at every number and I make sure that we are just aware of everything that we have to pay for and are making money. So I've always thought that way. And I've been very cheap and conservative from the very early days to get the business out and scrappy. I can't tell you just going back to that website. I know I was telling you this and everyone like the day that I can have a new website was like life-changing. Like even our photography, we didn't even love. For two years, I lived with it. We finally had the opportunity and it felt like so amazing. It was like a dream for me to have a real website, incredible photos. Shout out to our friend Masha who did that. And it was just really, you know, it was, it meant a lot to me when we got to that phase. And I could have pulled the trigger earlier, but I didn't. Because for me, I wanted money just there sitting in the bank in case of whatever would happen. Who freaking knows in your business, right? For me, I, I just, I love to have months in our savings just to pay the expenses in case of whoever knows what would happen in life and the world. <laughs> There's that great Reed Hoffman quote. If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, yeah, you've true. launched too late. Oh yeah, our, our packaging even had a typo. I can't tell you how many times can I read the back of the packaging. Our email <laughs> straight up was wrong. Like, that's crazy. But, you know, I bought thousands of it, of of the bags, and I'm not going to toss it. So, you know, life goes on. We were able to fix it, and, you know, things happen. So the question is, how about now? How do you approach the businesses not in the super, super early days. You don't have to be as scrappy, but that's still a big part of the energy is being scrappy as an entrepreneur. How do you approach your financial world with the business being a little bit more mature and having like forecastable income, especially with like monthly reoccurring orders? So 
how do you approach budgeting and do you have support and help when it comes to the financial organization of the business? Well, I mean, keeping it simple, just trying to think about everyone that touches that. So obviously we have an accountant and a bookkeeper. So, you know, they will put together our financials and send it to me on a monthly basis. If they have questions, I'll kind of uh, review that. And I think it's important to also look at the details of that to make sure they're classifying things correctly. So you have a sense of how much you're spending and where, like making sure all the contractor salaries are together, making sure R&D is in the right place. Because if that's not clean, then you're not going to have a good picture of where your money is going. And I think that's important. And it does take time. You know, it actually does take quite a bit of time every month. So I would say I have that team support. I have a spreadsheet. I know this is not glamorous at all. People are here yeah. for the non-glamorous. Yeah, yeah. This is like They're scrappy here for shit. for the reality. Yeah. They don't want you to lie. Yeah, they I'm not lying. They want you to tell the truth yeah. about how scrappy shit has to be when you're starting your business. I mean, everyone has different, like, it, it's interesting because I come from the world of finance and I have all these expectations of like keeping things in a certain way. And I think obviously it's great that I have that experience. But the reason why I'm saying it's like so scrappy is because I know the potential of what I could do. I just don't have time to set it up in that way. So I just have a very simple scrappy spreadsheet. I keep all of our expenses there. Um, and I keep all of any invoices that I pay and any payments just because it's good to kind of reference back and have that. And I save all receipts just for reference as well. So I have my own spreadsheet and then you do a cash flow forecast using this app. Pulse. I was going to say pulse. Yep. Yep. So, so you can do that, that on, on a spreadsheet too, but, um, so pulse is basically, it's like this janky software, but it works and you can just put in different forecast of your revenue, your fixed expenses, Basically, fixed expenses are like what you have to pay every month. So for me, it's like the team, software, production, like what do you need to keep the lights on for the business? And then variable expenses could be things like, you know, um, if we wanted to do like influencer packages, holiday gifts, you know, things that aren't absolutely necessary to run the business. If I wanted to bring on, for example, like um, a contractor to help us with a certain project that isn't necessary, but would be helpful, like I would put that in that bucket. But Pulse is cool because you can go through and just kind of add in all these expenses and easily like turn them off and on. So let's say I want to hire someone. So right now we're looking to hire someone in customer experience with me. I basically put in their salary and I see like, okay, can we support that salary for them? at the revenue that we're at, or I can quickly turn that off if I couldn't, like just to see, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. You can toggle. You can toggle it. So yeah. you can see, hey, if I have a customer support person extra, how does that impact my cash flow, my starting cash balance at the next month? How does that increase my expenses? And then what do I look like six months from now, end of the year, et cetera? So you yeah. can toggle these on and off. And you can also toggle like the revenue point. So I have like a conservative view, um, a medium view and like a high growth view. And I think that's important just to also kind of see. I, I tend to operate on the conservative one just because I'm so paranoid, but it is cool to see like, okay, so if we do hit our targets or if we have, if we do 20% better than we expected, you know, how much cash will we have and what can we use that towards? So yeah, Pulse has been a great option for that too. Yeah, it's cash flow forecasting and whether somebody uses things like Pulse or, or spreadsheet. Yeah. I personally think from having a lot of friends that have businesses that have not taken on investment, it's so key to have a deep intimacy with your cash flow forecast. Businesses live and die 
on cash flow. And I would say that I think you have a fantastic understanding. Thank you. And I know, again, you come from the world of finance. The thing is that small business is different. I know it right? is. It, it's it is. way more hand to hand combat. Yeah. It and is. there's a lot of people that try to bring a finance background to a small business yeah. and they mm -hmm. make it way more complicated and they don't understand the basics. They don't yeah. have enough deep intimacy with every single expense they're dealing with on a daily basis. And I want to compliment you because I feel you do. Thank you, babe. And I still pay all my invoices and it takes time, but I think it's important to know where the money's going. So. There's this great quote from one of Richard <laughs> Branson's books. I'll paraphrase here. He says, every so often, this is a billionaire, right? The virgin empire of virgin airlines and cruises and space travel and products and mobile, Everything. all sorts of stuff. He says, every so often I will go in and I will pay, I will write all the checks for that business mm -hmm. for that month to know what are we actually spending money on. And I always come back yeah. with major categories where I'm like, what the yeah. hell are we doing? Why are we spending mm -hmm. money on this thing? Mm -hmm. Because it all adds up. Even a $15 a month software that you're no longer using or that there's a cheaper version of it, these things, you, oh, yeah. you you know, you, you find it at every corner. It does and it add ends up. up helping your business. Mm -hmm. I love can that. you think of anything that you canceled recently or saved money <laughs> on in a business that no matter, even if it was a dollar, right? Is there something that you canceled or something that you fought for or like, Hey, you, we, we shouldn't be charged that uh, anything recently that you I can mean, think of. I have so many things last night going through the fulfillment invoices. We got charged like an extra fuel cost. And I see that this is just like so technical, but like our shipping rates have gone up. Shipping is very expensive um, for a business and we subsidize a lot of it, but we still charge $5. But I don't think people know that like businesses are subsidizing shipping and fuel prices go up. So I noticed like, gosh, like it's really increased, but that's fine. It is what it is. And then I saw another line item of like just a fuel charge, which is even extra. I've never seen that before. So I was like, hey, like what's going on with this? So you saw a double fuel charge. I saw a double fuel charge. And then also there's this software that we pay $400 a month for. I'm still debating if we should keep it, but every month I'm like, we're spending $400 a month. And if it's worth it, it's worth it. But it's just the concept of, for me, you know, even if we were a $10 million business, like I think I would still think through that or maybe not. I don't know, but I think you would, yeah. you know, the thing is that when you're a founder and you literally have built it from nothing, you know, the power of setting a culture up yeah. where everybody's focusing on what's necessary and taking out what's not. Because at the end of the day, anything that you save on, you get to pass on to your customers. Oh yeah. You can pay your team a little bit more. Oh you yeah. Can take out a you know, more of a dividend. You get whatever whatever it might be, right? Sure. Those savings go a long way and it helps everybody in the process. Yeah. It's true. All right. So you have time to take a couple more questions here? I think we do. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's talk about culture. You know, when you're starting off, especially if you don't have a founder, a co-founder, for a lot of people, a lot of women, it's just them, mm -hmm. men too, anybody, anybody starting these companies. And it can feel like you're in this void floating through space by yourself. And then eventually people start <laughs> hiring contractors, maybe a full-time person. They start to build their team out. Sure. And as you start to add people on the team, you are setting the tone for your culture. What have you found has been most important for you? Just mm -hmm. you, when it comes to setting the culture of the business that you want to see in the world. What comes to mind? Yeah, 
I've actually been thinking a lot about this. And I think even before you have like a team, like you're starting out and you're like, gosh, it's, it feels like so long until I can hire someone full time. I even think I would, I was thinking about this with contractors, right? You hire people on small projects that you work with. And for me, kindness is like the number one thing. And everyone that I work with, even before we hired like a team, so different contractors that help me on our website or designers, I'm always like, I love this person because of their just overall kindness. And I don't know if that comes from me working in banking and, you know, it was a cutthroat and I don't want that in my company. And if I can control my day to day, like I only want to be around kind human beings. And that even goes out to like the people I surround myself with from a friendship perspective, like good vibes, good energy is like number, number one. And especially because in business, like there's so much that goes wrong. And that's just part of the, the, the nature of it, that if you don't have like a good, kind, happy demeanor, it just makes experience so much more difficult. So for me, it's like just good vibes all around. And that make that also I have to put myself in check, right? I think about how I show up all the time to other people. So it's just, yeah, long story. Something I've been thinking a lot about is just like kindness. And even from the early days, if I hired people for the website and who I worked with, that's huge. And I know I always tell you that, like, I love this person. They're so sweet. And how do you balance out kindness with also sometimes in business, not sometimes, often, <laughs> Things may be off target or something isn't being done the right way and people deserve constructive feedback. So how do you balance kindness with that other side of things? Yeah. And I think that's something that we're working on, especially as we're getting bigger. And I think how important it is for me at the end of the day to be like very clear on expectations, you know, in the early, like you're just figuring things out as you go. So I think as, as clear as I can be and over communicate to my team is helpful. And I'm learning this as I go. Um, and then including different systems and processes to make sure things are flowing well um, and hearing like what doesn't work, what works. And again, it doesn't even have to be a full-time team. It could be some working with someone who is uh, working on your website. Like we're working on Black Friday right now and getting into the weeds. And we're always thinking like, okay, what's an easier way for us to communicate, give feedback? Should we use Asana? Should we use Notion? Like just the flow of things I think is um, also important. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, totally answers my question. And Kindness, I think- expectations. And, and what I've realized also, and this is just me in my life right now, is like I want to be as upfront as I can be. If something feels wrong, if something, you know, this is even outside of business, like I don't want to keep it in anymore because it kills me. So whether it's team, whether it's friends, anyone, like I'm trying to do a better job, just kindly sharing feedback uh, earlier rather than later. Yeah. It's this concept, kind candor. Do you want to explain that to people? You can explain it. You explain it. (laughs) It's your podcast. You're a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. He has this idea. He has this idea. He calls it kind candor. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes people hear kindness and they're like, Oh, you are asking to be nice to everybody all the time, every moment. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. Don't do that. But you're talking about being kind and also being direct. Direct and clear. while you're being direct, you can still be kind. Exactly. And like the tone of your voice, how you deliver it, like all of that plays a role into it. Why is that important to you? The idea of both being kind and direct. Like why is that? It sounds so basic, but I just want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Why is that important for you to have inside of the business? Because we move so fast that if something's bothering someone, it's like an energy blocking. So it's like, how do I make sure that we're all kind of 
working smoothly and there's no resentment or like like just uncomfortable feelings in some sense for someone. So I just want to make sure people feel expressed. And, you know, our team is still small and we're figuring all this out as we go. But yeah, for me, I think a lot about and props to Mary Ruth's I love this this couple, founder of Mary Ruth Organics and her husband, David Guillaume, and he talks a lot about this like spiritually in business. And I just think if there's energy blockings, whether it's a certain person or how somebody feels, I truly think it impacts the potential of a business. So if we can be kind and straightforward, we're able to move quicker and everyone is ultimately happier is kind of how I would think of it as a case. So here's one of our questions uh, as we're winding down towards the end of this podcast that somebody asked a good follow up to it is how do you deal with criticism even when it's constructive? Hmm. So on one sense of it, you're the boss and you're trying to set up a culture of kind candor. Naturally, I'm sure there's times where people have constructive feedback for you. Yeah. How do you deal with criticism even when it's constructive? Do you take it well? Mm -hmm. Do you not take it well? Any tips, tricks that you've had to swallow the pill a little bit better? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess you can take criticism in different ways, outside the business, in the business. But I think in the business, when something isn't working or flowing, I put it on myself. Like I take responsibility. If someone's unhappy, if something isn't working, I'm like, okay, as a CEO, I need to make sure that people are in a good place, that systems are moving. And I listen, it's not easy. I take things very personally. Like, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but if there's any issues in the business, I really put it on myself. And then I kind of get into solutions mode of like what to do. So it's tough. I take things personally, but I try my best to, you know, create solutions in that sense. Criticism outside the company, like, you know, people are always going to have, I don't I know guess, if that's you interesting. Know, you can take it any way you want to, but they're saying, how do you deal with constructive criticism? Because it can sting. Yeah. When somebody has it, even in a relationship. Oh, yeah. You have it for me. <laughs> I have it for you. Right. What do you think are important things when we're just taking criticism, even when the person is meaning it constructively? I think listening, calming your nervous system down, because sometimes I even even for myself, you do feel a little like riled up. So just breathing, really listening and repeating back what you hear from that person. <laughs> Babe, I know we do this all the time. So just to make sure you kind of understand their pain point, actually, that is my answer. That has helped me a lot. So if somebody feels a certain way or feels like there's an issue, I'll try to repeat it so I can truly understand what they're saying and so I can change. Like, I tr I think I'm someone who that is always self-reflecting and wanting to change. I think that's really important as an entrepreneur. So I think I appreciate feedback because I'm always trying to be better and I know I'm not perfect by any means. Like by any means. Yeah, none of us are. I like the listening thing because the tendency is that anytime we feel that somebody's about to deal or dish criticism to us, our brain can get into defensive mode. Yeah. And when we get into defensive mode, we immediately stop listening. So we totally. don't hear what they said. We hear what we think that they said. And this is a big part of couples counseling is just do you even understand what the other person is even yeah. saying to you? Let's go there first before we want to have our rebuttal, say, oh, you said I did this. Well, you also did that. So listening, I think, is key and uh, a major superpower that everybody can double up on. Yeah. Okay, here's the last one, babe, I'm going to toss in, <laughs> which is that recently through a bunch of interviews that you actually been doing on this podcast, and I think one of them was with Nicola Perra, who we mentioned earlier, yeah, the holistic so psychologist, good. you had gotten some clarity on an early childhood story and wound or a wound, right? Something that you sort of kind of maybe hurt you a little bit 
or came from a, a series of events that maybe didn't go right. But that usually leads to a story, mm-hmm. a narrative that we have about ourselves that then plays out all the way into our adult life and can be the reason why we have certain behaviors that may not always be the most beneficial. So that story is the story of being unworthy. And talk a little bit about yeah. that and Nicole's interview and how did that come up with you? Yeah, I, I think I'm still trying to unpack all of this, but gosh, that was such a great episode. If everybody can go listen to that, it, she is amazing. She's a holistic psychologist if you guys follow her on Instagram. But I forgot what topic we were talking about, but you know, so much of it was like self-care, feeling worthy, how important that is. And I think I was just asking her, I think it was like, why do I, like my normal tendency, actually ever since I was a kid is like, if I want something, I will do whatever it takes. I will sacrifice myself. I will figure it out and I will get it done. I think there's so many beautiful qualities of that to get like a business off the ground or to switch my career like I did so many times before I started Bia. But from like a longevity perspective, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Like to push yourself all the time. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your mental health. And I was just asking her like, why do I, why do you think I get into these cycles of just keep going and pushing and to the, to the point of burnout, to the point of burnout and not honoring like breaks. And what's so interesting is that for my team, I I'm always encouraging them to not push themselves. And I'm very like, I try to be mindful of like, how are you feeling? Or like, you know, just with my team members, I can tell I'm like, no pressure whenever you have a chance, but I don't have that grace for myself. For me, everything is urgent. Everything needs to be done. And she was just saying, like, maybe it's feelings of unworthiness. Like you're not maybe you think like you're not worthy of taking like a break or time off. And I was like, that is so interesting. I think I'm still trying to figure out like clearly what that means for me and my story. But if I felt worthy, maybe I would take a break in the morning instead of going straight into my emails because I feel worthy and I feel like things are in a good place. I mean, who knows? I'm still trying to unpack it. But I recently started doing EMDR therapy again from my podcast because somebody mentioned how amazing it was for them. I'm always trying different things like whatever, whatever is going to work and just learning so much along the way. I appreciate you. Thanks, babe. You're always uh, looking for a little angle to see what can support you on your journey. And oh, that's beautiful. all the time. And hopefully I can share all of that here. That's definitely the goal. But she was saying, what would it look like if you gave yourself permission? Like the word permission was interesting to take a break, to not go so hard. And I was like, that is so interesting. Like, I don't usually give myself permission to do that, but to flip the script, like what would it look like? I would be so happy if I gave myself permission. And listen, I've come a long way. I take breaks like what I've realized with starting your own business is that you it's not it's nonstop, meaning like you need to figure out how to fill up your own cup or else it's really freaking hard because you're, you know, in a positive way, you're thinking about it all the time. It's not like a knock on what we're doing. I'm so passionate that like I have to like bring myself back to earth sometimes. Um, so yeah, a long winded way of saying it was interesting. Like I'm figuring out if it's a feeling of unworthiness and am I trying to prove myself to people without me knowing like subconsciously? Um, but it's so fascinating because so many of those, and you meet so many entrepreneurs who have like childhood wounds and all these things and things weren't given to them. Like they're so successful. So it's kind of like a balance of, it has helped me so much in life, but how do I just tame it down a little bit and make sure I'm, I'm creating more balance in my life for longevity of the business. And, you know, I want to be happy. Like so much of my life was working so hard and I wasn't happy. 
So I don't want to recreate that because this is my own life and I get to choose what I want to do now with Bia. So I don't know, lots of just thoughts for food for thought that I'm figuring out. Yeah, I think balance is the, really the key word because a lot of these wounds that we develop early in life, they also lead to these things that we're really good at. But when we don't check yeah. those wounds that are there, and for some people, and there, there's some core different ones depending on the school of psychology you look at. I'm not a, trained in this area, but I've gone through different programs and things that kind of help you walk through these aspects. For some people, it's, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's, I'm not worthy. Some people, it's, there's all these different versions of it. And when you have that story, it can lead to the situation where in your case, where you have this intense drive to want to go after the things that are there in life and really shoot for it. But then also, you have to constantly prove to yourself that you are worthy. So it's like, you don't think about it. It's not just you, it's anybody that would have this wound, but you don't think about it, but you're like, I can't actually take a moment to sit down and just eat lunch right now and take a break. Yeah. Because if I don't get X, Y, and Z done, the entire business might yeah. collapse, yeah. right? So I it's mean, a subconscious, it's subconscious thing that's in the back like, of your mind yeah, that's yeah. there that if I don't keep, keep, keep going, yeah. this whole thing could blow up. I know, and I've, I've talked to entrepreneurs who have like billion dollar businesses who think that way. Sure. You know, I think my dad is even thinks that way. Like he works his butt off, but I think he probably thinks if I don't, then all of this could kind of crumble. I, so it's interesting to see other people feel that. Sure. And everybody's going to have something, even yeah. if you're not an entrepreneur, the area that it gets out of check and out of whack and starts to now be destructive. And there's plenty of people that have big businesses whose lives are in shambles. Yeah. Their marriages are in shambles. Their relationship with kids are shambles. There's people even that don't have businesses that their wounds are running their life. Yeah. They don't have that love with the close people around them. They don't have that intimacy with their partner. They don't have all these different aspects. So these same things that can help us in one school of thought in this world of landmark that I did along many years ago, they called it golden handcuffs, right? They're the oh, yeah. thing that makes you good at something, but then they're also the thing that keep you handcuffed because you don't think, you, you think you always have to be this way. Totally. And that's when the body Mm-hmm. you know, takes a hit. That's when people start sacrificing sleep. That's yeah. when people have crazy amount of anxiety and all that stuff can develop over a period of time and lead to chronic disease and unhappiness and advanced totally. aging, you know? So if we do a little bit of work on it, which you're doing a ton of work on it, yeah, and, and we all, that's our journey is to unpack these old wounds and make sure that they're not running the show Yeah, and then to honor them for the beauty that's there. Sure. The beauty that's there. Anyways, yeah. I'm talking way too much on your no, podcast. Please. I love it. Yasmin, this has been great. <laughs> And I know you always think always. these episodes aren't valuable for people. I know. And I would say that might be a childhood wound. You got to think about it Seriously. because from the outside, just listening in, I'm not just saying this because I'm your husband. I also have friends that listen to your podcasts, women in my life, and I hear from them how important these behind the scenes episodes are. So I would just like to actually have you reach your right hand oh, gosh. on your shoulder, <laughs> pat, pat yourself on the back for showing up and doing another behind the scenes episode. Well, thank you, babe, for always taking the time to do these with me and asking the right questions. And I love doing it with Drew because I think he has a good, he has a real behind the scenes look at everything that happens. And I try to be as transparent as I can. So I love that you can add in things because I really want to make sure we add value to anyone listening. And uh, if you made it this far, thank you. And let me know what you think. Please, please, you know, shoot me a DM on Instagram. 
Yasmin K. Nori or email me at Yasmin at Behind Her Empire. Let me know like if this is enjoyable for you. If you want to hear anything else, I would love to get your feedback. But thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.